Good morning, everyone. You awake? I don't know, the, the 9 a.m. sounded a little more alive. Are you awake yet? Yes. Right, I'm doing all the things that you hate when preachers do and that preachers hate doing, but it's important to do it because, you know, it's, it's the dance we do. Uh, anybody here expectant from God today that he's going to speak to you to something that you've been worried about for a moment or for a lifetime that you believe God is going to download some grace to you and some encouragement and uh, some hope. Anybody looking for something from heaven today? Good, 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 good. That, that's good. I can continue. Um, it's good to be with you today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Calvin, um, James, Layton, Norton, Forbes. It's a long one. My parents just kept going. Uh, I was at the passport office the other day, and they're like, but which, which one do you want to keep? And I was like, uh, all of them. And they're like, you can't. I'm like, what do you mean I can't keep my name? And they're like, no, there's, there's too many. It won't fit. And so I just stuck with Calvin James. And um, I used to love telling this uh, to young people as I, I was able to minister to uh, youth ministries and young adult ministries across Canada. Um, how many of you know there's a significant meaning to names? How many of you have precious meanings to your names? How many of you are named Precious? And you're like, that's my name, I'm Precious, right? How many of you know the meaning of your name? It's important, right? And you know, in our culture, it's not that important, but I, I decided I wanted to go into the archives and see what does Calvin mean? And uh, it means little bald one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm in this time loop. I've looked like this, you know, I had less grays, but I've looked like this for like 12 years now. And uh, so it's fun. People don't really know how old I am. And then, so I said, okay, surely there's a better meaning for my middle name. How many of you have a good middle name? How many of you hate your middle names? Anyone? No, nobody. Wow, look at us. Well, oh, I mean, well, look at you. Uh, so my middle name, James, uh, I, I was like, oh, that's a Bible name. He was one of the disciples. He was a brother of Jesus, right? You love that book, James? It's, it's one of the best testaments, I think. Uh, if there was anybody who could discredit Jesus, it would be his brother. He'd be like, that guy is not who he said he is. Let me tell you how, right? And so I looked up James, uh, and that one means deceiver. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to church today. It is your favorite little bald deceiver uh, here to, uh, to encourage you in truth. <laughs> uh, I've been on the road the last couple Sundays at a couple different cities uh, with a different church. And um, the first week I started driving to this church and I realized, oh, I'm going the wrong way. And so I have missed you. I'm really happy to be back this Sunday, even though we may not see each other for a while. And I hope uh, that the word today paired with my very own personal testimony would encourage you uh, to grow closer uh, to Jesus. Uh, if you're continuing a long journey or beginning a new one, I want you to know that he sees you, he has heard you, he is concerned about you and not like, oh, she's going the wrong way, right? But he is concerned about the things that you're concerned of. If you're feeling brokenhearted today, it says that he is near to you. If you're lacking wisdom or understanding, it says that he is all truth and he wants to give wisdom and insight to you. If you feel far away from him, he promises that his arm is not too short. Thank God for the Psalms uh, to meet us where we are at. And um, you get the second version of this sermon, which is a little different than the first. So if you're joining us again, awesome. If not, amazing. And I hope that we use this one for the YouTube because uh, it was a little rusty earlier. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, if we have our Bibles, let's get them. I'll give you a second you want to load it up on your phone or if you want to just look at the screen, that's cool. Take some notes. Revisit these thoughts uh, later in the week. Practice them. Uh, consider them. Um, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so unashamedly today, I'm just going to read from my Bible. Uh, and I, I have used screens and I have used the digital things and so much so that my slides, my sermon is typed up and it, I can't access it at the moment. And so I'm going based off of what God has just given me and, and I hope that it is good and that it lands the way it needs to. And so I don't come to you with eloquence or fancy thoughts, just, just the word today. Is that good? Okay, uh, let's go to John chapter one. Uh, see, I switched it up on them. Let's go to John chapter one, uh, verse 43. Can we do that? John 1, John 1, loading up. See, there we go. There we go. Ready? Okay, okay, cool. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, 
was from the town Bethesda, or Seda, Bethesda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked. Philip said, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathanael responded, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. An important contextual note for this that I need you to hold the entirety of our next 30-ish minutes. Can you do this with me? Can you do it with me? Nathaniel was a young, ambitious man. He wanted to serve the Lord so much so that he wanted to position himself in his skill, in his study, and his literal posture to be seen by a rabbi and invited on the journey of serving God through the ministry And so day after day after day, he curated understanding and he put himself in a position to be seen and used by God. And he sat under this fig tree as it was a custom of his day because that would be an identifier to the teachers of the day that that kid is keen. That one wants to serve God. And a rabbi would have the opportunity to go up honor this person's faithfulness, and then take them on a journey of discipleship. And Nathaniel lived out his years. We don't know how many there were at this moment. He would have been a teenager, it is believed. So essentially, he wasn't working. How many of you have teenagers who don't work in your home? You're like, that's my kid. Nobody has teenagers that are at home right now. That's great. You brought them to church. Hallelujah. That's fantastic. And he sat there and looked as every single rabbi up to this point in his life, every single leader, every single teacher, every single pastor, anybody that could have helped him get closer to God looked at him and said, oh, that's awesome, and kept passing him by. In that, I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment. In that, I'm sure there was a lot of frustration. But what I admire is his consistency, his faithfulness, and his desire to be chosen by God And eventually the one who chooses best looks at him and he says, I see you. And Nathaniel, being who he was, a skeptic at this point, maybe a little bit jaded, goes, whatever, man. Who do you think you are? You come from Nazareth. How do you know me? And Jesus says, hey, look, everyone else missed it, but I saw you. And I just want to encourage you today that everyone else may have missed it and everyone else may have misused it. But he sees you and he's calling you today, and there's an invitation on your life, and I believe that God is gonna do something incredible as we look at his word and we put it into practice this week, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for the journey that you have brought me on. It has not always been easy, and I have not always done right, but you have been faithful and you have been true. And today, I pray as we observe what it means to be positioned, to be seen, invited to be chosen and to be used by you. Pray that we would all take that one step closer to becoming who you are as we move closer to where you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some people call me Pastor Calvin. I just eat a lot of pasta, okay? I'm just a kid from Brampton uh, who eventually heard God's call on his life. And the call wasn't to ministry or to a title, but I was on my basement floor as a teenager. Uh, I had seen miracles. I witnessed my aunt get up out of a wheelchair. She had uh, canes that were strapped to her arm to help her hobble to the front. It was an Easter Sunday. She went up for healing. Uh, She was just out of an accident where she was hit by three snow plows on the 401. And they told her, you will never uh, walk, you will never work, and you'll never have kids ever again. And uh, I was in the back playing my Game Boy, probably somewhere over there. And uh, we heard screaming and metal clanging. And I looked up because I wanted to see what crazy woman was at the front making a lot of noise. And it was my aunt jumping up and down like a pogo stick. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And I witnessed my first miracle. 
I, I had this understanding that God was uh, real to other people, but I didn't really believe that he was real for me. Even with seeing miraculous, literal miracles happen, she has never been back in a wheelchair. She doesn't need canes. I spoke to her the other day. She's really happy and doing well. And I'm excited about that, but I think back all those years and I start remembering where was I as a young person when I was in these youth groups and I was at these churches and, and I saw God moving and speaking and there was prophetic words and I saw uh, things that my dad was up to as a person who drove the TTC and listening to those miracles and hearing the stories of people coming to faith and understanding who God was in the churches that I was in, but I personally, never really had an encounter for myself. How many of you have been there before? And I remember as a young man, I was on my basement floor and I was dissatisfied with life. I realized I was dry and I felt broken and I, I couldn't help myself. I didn't know what to do next. And I said a very simple prayer, it was this. Jesus, I don't know if I can trust you, but I will try. And that has kind of been my main prayer for the duration of the life that I've been able to live. And my whole adult life, for, well, for the most part, I've been able to serve churches. That's why I dress like a mechanic today, because I'm here to serve. Uh, and uh, I've just been able to help out. I'm, I'm just still the kid from Brampton. Now, a few years ago, I had this season of my life where I hit a burnout, and I had to take a break, and then COVID happened, and then, you know, everything got a little messy. Anyone else? Right? If you, if you were in a bunker, let me know for the next one, okay? <laughs> uh, please, Lord, no, not, not, not a next one. Not a next one. But I began to walk out a, a season of life where I, I turned my back on God. I became very tired and angry and, and very bitter and very broken. And it wasn't just my own thoughts and opinions. I had legitimate hurt. There were friends and there were conversations and there were, there were circumstances that were outside of my control. And as I tried to maneuver and fix and, and make some things happen for me, I became distrusting of the Lord, forgetting that only he was the one who could satisfy and I moved from being a fruitful person to a person who was disconnected from what God was up to, unaware and unwilling to listen to him. I remember moments on basement floor saying, I've given you enough. I don't have anything else to give you. And you know what would be the greatest blessing, Lord, is if I didn't wake up tomorrow. And I promise I won't do anything. I won't add any harm to my life. But if I could just go to sleep and wake up and see you tomorrow, that would be good enough for me. And I don't want anything from you when I get there. No crowns. I don't want no rewards. I don't want no praise. All I want to know is that you would still hug me, even in my unbelief. I hope that everything I've done up to this point would be good enough for you. Please. In Jesus' name, amen. And I would say that multiple nights and I would wake up the next day and there'd be no movement, no progress. And as I continued to become frustrated, I continued to disconnect myself from who God was through word and through prayer and through the church and through friendships and relationships. I stopped studying, I stopped worshiping, I stopped serving. I started looking in the mirror and saying, Calvin, you're pretty awesome and you are gonna be okay. We are gonna get through this. And I began to take steps away from Jesus and walk into sin and become distant from the very thing that was the thing that gave me absolute life, which was him through his presence and his word and through the local church. And as I disconnected from those three things, I found myself dry and barren and so far out of the will of God. But I'm here to say today that he is good and he is kind and he is faithful is true. A few years ago, Pastor Brent had found out that I was back in Ontario and I was slugging away in a butcher shop and I was washing dishes, arguing with Jesus. It's always the best place to argue with Jesus, right? And if it isn't, that's okay too. Maybe you like showering and hearing his voice. I, I just, I hear him more when I'm scrubbing all the stuff off the plates or soaking the pot. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I remember being in the back of this butcher shop and God just kept calling to me and friends keep reaching out to me and my friends that were close to me, whether they were near or far in distance, were just still believing in me, but I wasn't believing in myself and I wasn't giving myself the ability to, to return to the Lord, to, to really lean in and focus on what he was up to in my life. I was just bitter and frustrated uh, and I felt like he owed me something, which is hilarious because how many of you remember that moment you came to Jesus and you're just, you know, you probably didn't look like me, but I'm on my basement 
different floor and I'm ugly crying and Lord, I'm unsatisfied. I feel empty. I got nothing to give to you, but will you love me? And he's like, yeah, 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 cool, cool. Let's go on the greatest adventure you never asked for. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, you didn't answer that prayer, Jesus. I moved across the country for you. You see how much I gave last year? What's going on? I thought I was supposed to be blessed. What about all those hundreds of hours that I had to do all-nighters with those stinky kids and I didn't get any sleep and their parents were mad at me because we gave them cereal but they never told us on the form they're not allowed to have cereal. Like, <laughs> what about all those things I did for you? What about all the places I went for you? What about all the sermons that I read? What about all the Bibles that I've went through? And remember that time I went to, to Europe and, and I preached and all those kids that were growing up in communist homes repented, they believed and spoke in tongues on a mountain? Do you remember that moment? Remember when I did that? Do you remember when I went to Cuba and I handed out Bibles to to pastors and we were on the run from the secret service and we were given Bible college materials and in Kindles and do you remember that time I almost went to jail for you? Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? And we forget that we had nothing to offer him and he gave us everything and then all of a sudden we get bent out of shape and frustrated and we turn away from him because he didn't do what we thought he was gonna do. We treat him how we've been treated by others and how we treat others for forgetting that he's actually the source of all things. And if we pause long enough, we stay focused, he can speak it and speak through it, speak to it. You know what I'm talking about? And I was in this bitter situation and Pastor Brent came and he found me because uh, in Hamilton you were allowed to eat in public and in Mississauga you still weren't, right? You remember those days, different zones and stuff. And like all of you can eat, but if you go to the bathroom, n- never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> He came and he began to, to minister to me and remind me of the things that we had seen in, in this room uh, as I was able to serve many years ago in a couple moments. And he began to remind me of the things that God had done in my life, through my life. And he began to, to bring me back to the word and the different thoughts and frustrations and imaginations that I had. He began to, to just whisper scripture and, and allow the spirit to minister to me. And he began to, to speak prophetically in my life, like you're not gonna do this alone. Why are you alone? You know that you can't do this alone. Like, what do you mean that you need the grace that is through Jesus? You can't work yourself back into a relationship with you, you can't just serve in the butcher shop and hide away from the calling that's on your life that isn't to be a minister, but is to be a servant and a servant unto the Lord. Like you can't outrun him. You need to come home. And so he invited me to this place that I affectionately call home. And you know, sometimes we leave home, but home is always somewhere that we can go back to, right? We're always in the family. And he said, come, and like, what's in your hand? And at that time, I'm like, I don't wanna be called pastor, I don't wanna be none of that stuff. I actually don't even know if I believe it anymore. He's like, just bring your camera. And I showed up and I began the creative team and just kind of began to serve and try and figure out what is ISO and Aperture? I don't know what that stuff means. My, my phone does it for me. And, and I just began to lean into relationship. And I, I gotta tell you, it didn't change overnight, but what happens is I'm at the back of the room taking photos and he's preaching the word and I'm arguing with him and with Jesus and I couldn't wait for Monday morning lunch because I just wanted to tell him how much I disagreed with his preaching, and he just would so graciously, lovingly listen and bring correction and understanding to the things I was frustrated with. And six months go by, and a year goes by, and a year and a half goes by, and as I continued to persist in relationship with God through the local church under leadership and covering, that is pastorship, I began to have my heart softened, and it began to turn back to the Lord, Everything didn't change overnight. There was some sin that I had to continue to work out and walk through, and there were some decisions that I had to make. I had to put certain books away. I had to stop watching certain channels because they were adding uh, different theologies than what God had designed and given us. I had to be very honest about who the teachers of my life were. I had to to be very honest about who the other pastors of my life were. And as I began to reorient myself in relationship with the local church through serving and through being under obedience, in teaching, God began to shift my life in a way that directed it back to him. And in that, there's a lesson that I would like to teach and there's uh, an illustration I would like to observe in the next 15, 16 minutes to encourage you as to how biblical that is and what it looks like in scripture so that the Holy Spirit could give you eyes for what that looks like for you. Does that make sense? Is that cool? Okay. 
Let's take a look at John chapter 15. This is one of my favorite stretches of scripture because if we could ever see uh, Jesus live teaching, it could be this. Now, John, the disciple that Jesus loved the most, we only know that because John said so, okay? So no, no, no pride issues there. But John pens the sermons of Jesus, and you literally, in my Bible at least, in the NIV uh, with the red letters, I can go page after page after page after page of just Jesus talking. And then someone says like a little blurb, and then Jesus talking, and then a little blurb, and then Jesus talking. And so I look at this, and I'm so encouraged by the teaching that Jesus is giving, and I hope that you're encouraged today as well. Is that cool? Is that good? Here we go. 15, verse one. Okay, again, I'm gonna read the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so we're gonna just work through this. I know it's not a soundbite and, you know, on TikTok it would be faster, but I want you to be encouraged and strengthened and challenged today in Jesus' name. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, so remain in me. Everyone say remain. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says, remain. Remain. And he does it on, on a two-sided coin. He says, if you remain in me, know that I will remain in you. And I don't want you just to, to exist around me. I'm actually gonna put my word into your spirit. He's gonna do that through talking. He's gonna do that for us in a different day through his word through moments of prayer, through the Spirit. Bible says that Spirit is teaching us all the things that Jesus taught. Bible says that the Spirit is sealing us. He's, he's, he's covering us, he's clothing us, he's, he's bringing us close to him. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to remain in me. And remain is an action word. It's not an existence word. You can't just be and remain. There's an active participation, there's a choosing a choice to be made, that I'm gonna choose to cling to Jesus as he clings to me. It's the greatest hug you've ever experienced in your life. How many of you know some good huggers? How many of you know some pretty bad huggers? Hey, I will take a bad hug over a clammy handshake any day. That's just the facts, it's the worst. I'm like, how are your hands so wet, man? Why are you so nervous? Let's just get some powder, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> if you have clammy hands, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. My brother is not allowed to use my baseball glove. Like, not allowed. Because it's, it's the wildest thing. <laughs> remain in me. I will remain in you. I am the vine. You are the branch. Hold on. Hey, hey. I am the root system. I am the trunk of the tree. I am the life source. Just hold on. What I love is that Jesus isn't inviting us to like white knuckle and hold on and like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. It's not actually even dependent on us more than it is dependent on him. It's everything that Jesus invites us into is on him. It's the best friend ever. He's like, you wanna go for lunch? Yeah, but I don't have any money. He's like, did I ask you if you wanted to pay for lunch? I asked you if you wanted to go with lunch because I'm going to lunch, I'm, I got you. You know what I mean? Hey, did, did I ask you to hold on to me? No, I just said, I'm remaining, I'm holding on. You, you should do so too. It's on me. I'm the one with the roots. I'm the one with the life. I'm the one with the source. I'm the one with the nutrients. I'm the one who's got this. Just remain in me. I got you. And there's this invitation and he, he begins to explain that if there's amazing evidences of God at work in our life. Come on, how many of you remember Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit? 
You remember that? Some of you are old enough to remember getting the little felt things and putting it on the, the board, right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not old enough to know what that looks like. I just heard other preachers talk about it, okay? I've never seen it in my life, but you're still in the room and I love that. Goodness, mercy, peace, patience, forbearance, long-suffering, all of these beautiful attributes of God and how he relates to us and the world around us. He says, I want those to be byproducts of your relationship with me. It's not to say that you're amazing and make you look good, but if you can grow in these things, then the audience of your life is gonna be able to look and see and taste and see that I am incredibly good. And your testimony is not gonna be, look how hard I worked, look how much I gave, look how much I served. Your testimony is simply gonna be that God is in me and I held on to him. And you're gonna be the Father's glory. You're not just gonna give him glory, you will be the glory to my father, of how incredible a life can look when it clings on to the name of Jesus and it clings on to the hope that is in Jesus and it comes alive again in the name of Jesus. Remain in him, he will remain in you. Well, Calvin, what about the, the branches that he said he's gonna cut off and throw to the side and then they're gonna wither and die and get super dry and then he's gonna burn them? What about those ones? What about me? Because I, I kind of gave up too. And I haven't really been in my word and I haven't really been clinging to Jesus and I've been having other pastors inform me of what's going on and I've stopped praying and I, I used to serve but I got frustrated and tired and, and, and it was reasonable and fair for me to take a break but I don't know if I can get back because I'm just far away from God. I don't feel him anymore. Am I one of those branches? Am I the one of the cutoff ones? Am I the one that God doesn't want anymore? Like, is it even worth me being in the room today? Can I encourage you that the Bible is good for all things according to life and godliness? And Jesus doesn't just end there. The Holy Spirit continues to teach through Jesus and he continues to teach through, through men and women throughout history who testify of the goodness of God, who continue to grow in relationship with him so that they can be encouraged and encourage others. Can I encourage you, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling like me several years ago that turned away from God, I was still in the room, but I was angry and I didn't believe, but I stayed in the room. You know what I'm talking about? You're here, but you're not sure if it's, if it's connecting and maybe this is the last chance you're giving God. Can, can I encourage you today that he still speaks and he wants to speak to you today? In Romans chapter 11, we know Paul is, is a Pharisee. He's a very brilliant man. He's a, a person who was so zealous for God that he started killing the people of God until God encountered him and added faith to his life. And he was surrounded by people. He was committed to a local church who, who served him and, and nursed him back to health and, and brought him uh, the word and the teaching and the doctrine that was necessary. They taught him how to worship in a new way. They, they taught him how to serve in a new way. A lot of times we read uh, the the story of Paul, and because the Bible is very quick to tell us details, we think he got saved today and then he just started preaching tomorrow. He was like this beast, and like, no, like it, it took a long time. The disciples were still not sure of him. And from the moment that he accepted Jesus as Lord of his life and he began to preach, it's believed that he waited almost 17 years to see the promise of God on his life actually become fulfilled. And he goes to the disciples and he's like, I think I feel called to preach. And they're like, oh, Tell us more. It's like, yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to speak to the Gentiles. I feel like there's a message for people who aren't Jewish about who Jesus was. And they were like, that's awesome. Now let's wait another eight years. <laughs> there's just like this amazing delay. God seemed to be working very slowly and taking a long time. But we can see that God was faithful in the life of Paul. And Paul is teaching the Roman church who weren't Jewish people, who felt like they were outsiders. They felt like they weren't like full believers because there were Jewish believers who really knew the Bible and really knew how to pray and they did Sabbath incredibly well. Like what about us? And Paul goes to encourage them and he talks to them about being engrafted branches. They feel like they're the dry ones on the sideline or the, the, the not so nice ones. And there's some frustration and division in the church and Paul is trying to bring it all to alignment. And he says this in Romans chapter 11, okay? We're gonna read this. The band is gonna come up. 
after I finish reading the scripture. I'm gonna tie off the teaching. We're gonna worship and then I'm gonna pray for you. That's how the next 10 minutes are gonna go. Is that okay? Is that good? Let's start off in verse 13, screen person. Is that good? <laughs> Don't know what to call them. The operator. Sorry, sorry, city team. Forgive me. I'm just a kid, I'm just a kid from Brampton. Come on, Al. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Gentiles, in as much as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may, have, may somehow arouse my own people to envy and to save some of them. For if their rejection is a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. But if, and if the root is holy, then so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, through a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, if you now share in the nourishing sap of the olive root, do not boast over the other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith, do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and self, the sternness of God, the sternness to those that fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Everyone say, remain. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. We've got two teachings of this root system and branches. Paul's expounding on not correcting, not doing a better job than what Jesus was doing. The Holy Spirit was using Paul to continue to grow in this teaching and the church is frustrated and at odds. You have people who are Jewish people who are like, God is our person. And then you have un, like Jewish, uh, sorry, the Gentile people who are being like, why are they making us feel worse than like we should be feeling? Like, aren't we believers too? And so Paul is using this teaching and he's saying, hey, if you remained in belief, amazing. Don't hold it against the people who didn't. And if you didn't remain and God has grafted you back in, don't forget who you used to be. None of you are better than the other. You don't support yourself. It is God who supports you. Remain. Stay connected. Enjoy the benefits. Tell the story. Let people see what is going on in your life. Stop the arguing, stop the bickering, but also be encouraged. Remember when you didn't believe and now you do? Well, those ones who used to believe and don't anymore, he can reach them too. Remain. 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 Worship team, you can come on up. We're gonna tie off with these thoughts. Is this okay? Is this good? I know it's cold in here, but I hope you're feeling a little warm. It's, you know, heating up. As I was thinking about this sermon, I began to do a little research. And like you, when I say research, I mean I was in the bathroom watching YouTube. <laughs> you didn't like that, but you know it's true. I did research. You didn't. It's okay. I was looking up how do you graft trees? Because we're, we're not farmers, none of us own an orchard, unless you do, and then I'd like to know, because candy apples in September are awesome. I'll come visit you. I began to try and figure out, what does this look like practically in my life? Because I'm literally not a gardener. I am not a handy person. Um, I hurt myself a lot. I had just healed a massive cut in my hand from sheet metal on this one. I had a ton of blisters because I cut down a tree with an ax at the back of the building the other day. It was like the most manly thing I ever did. I loved it. <laughs> it took a whole week though. Because <laughs> I, like, I knocked the tree down, but then it took me five days to actually cut the tree up and throw it over the fence. Don't tell them. Shoot, this one's not recorded, right? Oh, it is? Oh, my bad. I got all these blisters. and You can see them if you were up close. Another day I was demolishing, doing some demo for like a re renovation in a building. And 
uh, there was this old wood and I was holding it and a person was using a saw to cut it down and they just said, hey, hold it really still. So I did, you know, I did my best and I held it. And he didn't feel like the saw was moving fast enough. So he kicked it while he was sawing it to help it out. And uh, it didn't. And the wood with like nails this long went into both shins. Uh, And so I'm I'm not the handiest dude. I got some scars to prove it. Um, And so while I was learning this thing, my intention was to bring... uh, some wood and some knives as an example, but I figured I might cut myself, so I'm not going to. So you're just gonna have to deal with the, the mental picture. Is that okay? Can I, can, I, can I do it? Is it good? Okay. So somebody who is a gardener and wants to graft in a new branch has a couple things they need to do. They need to go and find a branch that is not connected to the root, to the source, to the trunk, and they need to prepare it doesn't matter how big it is. They, they need to, to clean it up and prepare it. And then they need to find a perfect place for it to fit. And there always is a perfect place for it to fit or it doesn't. And so they go and they, they, they get this branch that is now lifeless. It's disconnected. It's beginning to decay. It's on its way away from what it was created for. And they grab it and they take a knife to it and they cut the bottom on an angle. Any gardeners in the place? Am I doing okay? Okay. So they cut it and they leave it exposed for a little bit. And what they do is they go over to where in the tree they want to put it and they cut the tree on the exact same angle and make room for a transfer. And then on both things, they create this little notch and it kind of looks like a V. And uh, if you've put Ikea furniture together ever, you know, like tongue and groove and it connects sometimes, okay? But, but like a gardener doesn't have that luxury. They, they can't send it back. So they they do as best as they can to make it fit perfectly. And then the branch and the branch that it is connecting to kind of look like that. They just connect, it's perfect. But if you pull it, it comes out. I wanna say remain. So there's this connection that is made and then they go and they get a very special type of tape. And from the bottom up, I wanna say bottom up. They wrap it gently but firmly enough to ensure that from the bottom to the top, no moisture or pests can get into that cut and into that union. Blocks all of the negative that could happen from the outside world and connects these two together so that it remains together. And then you think they're done, but they're not. And I'm watching and there's these awesome branches that are coming off and these other leaves. And he takes his shears, the gardener, and he cuts it down. And so this massive branch that went from like this big is now only this big. All the former growth, all the leaves of the past, all of the good things, all of the bad things, all of the stories, it pairs it back so that it has just enough room to experience new life. And they leave it tethered for weeks and weeks and months and months. And they mark it and its health by new life. And new sprouts start popping up. New branches begin to form. And it's amazing, it's alive. And he goes or she goes and they take their shears and they cut off the new leaves and they cut off the new branches because they know if they allow these new things to go this way, it can't go this way. And it is good and it is life and it could be exciting, but it's not gonna produce the fruit that the gardener intends for it to produce in time, not tomorrow, not next year, in 10 years. And the gardener continues to tend to this thing and eventually unwraps and makes sure that everything is good and copacetic, that there's no infection, there's, there's no swelling. And, and, and they continue to, to lead and to guide this new branch to the place that it can be strong enough because it is so now the tree that it was never before that it produces fruit like it could never before. And that is the picture that God has for you and for I. And for everyone who doesn't know who he is yet. And it doesn't matter whether you've been in the vine for a long time and people have been like, yay, you got leaves and grapes. 
awesome. Or you feel like you've never been connected or you were like me who you were so disconnected and you might even be in the room, but you say, I'm dry and I haven't seen God move in a long time and nobody would know that I was a Christian if I didn't tell them and my kids don't even believe me and my my family, like I'm trying, but nothing's working. This is for you too. This was for me. This is what home looks like. Will you remain today? Will you allow the gardener, the good gardener to take you and break a couple things, but precisely bring you to him so that you don't just stay connected to him, but he actually can connect to you, in you, and then through you to produce things that you can't do on your own. Will you remember that you had nothing to offer the Lord except for yes, please, would you accept me? And if you feel prideful and you feel like God owes you something and and you're not gonna serve until he, and and you're not gonna believe until he, and you will not read until he, I will not pray until, if you're in that season of life, can I let you know that I get it? And he does, but he's asking to remain in him today. New days, new stories, new chapters, new fruit. He loves what he did, but the world loves to celebrate us for the leaves of our life. But he didn't ask us to grow leaves. What did he ask us to grow? Fruit. And fruit is not grapes and pineapples and bananas or plantain. Not plantain, it's plantain. He didn't ask you to produce earthly fruit. The fruit that he's talking about is the evidence of him at work in your life. And guess what? A tree never gets to eat its own fruit. Have you ever seen a banana tree do that? Just like, ah. (laughs) Fruit is always for someone else to look at, for someone else to try, and for someone else to enjoy and be satisfied. Your life is not about you. My story is not my own story. It's to testify. I was worth nothing. I was the firewood the Bible talked about. But I allowed him to pick me up. I didn't jump up out of the ground and join a tree. No, no, no. I allowed the Holy Spirit to take some stuff off of me. I allowed him to take some bitterness off of me. I allowed him to take some old good things off of me. I allowed him to to shape me and and to move me in a different direction. I, I gave up my independence so he could bring me home into himself. And because he is good and because he is kind today, I can say to you, he could do it for you too. And he's not done yet. But there's a couple things that we need to be tethered to. One, it's it's Jesus. And to be tethered to Jesus, we need to be tethered to the local church. We cannot do it on our own. Jesus said so. Paul said so. I'm not just telling you out of my own words. This is the Bible. You need to be connected in the avenues that you can connect to in this church. And although Jesus is excited and satisfied that you are in the room hearing the word because faith comes by hearing the word, he's inviting you to do relationship with people. It's through the giving and it's through the serving and it's through the connect groups and it's through the unseen things by others for the sake of people who don't know him yet that God tethers you to him. It's not enough to walk in and out of the room and just be close in the garden to the tree. He's saying, I want you to be a part of my body. You want a part of my life? Serve. You want a part of my life? Give. You want a part of my life? Worship. You want to be a part of what is going on in my life? Join a team, join a group, get in your word. And that's the third thing, the word. We need to return to the word of God. You cannot grow in your relationship with Jesus through TikTok videos talking about Jesus. We need to return to the word. A good Bible habit will not save you, but it will absolutely help. It will let you know the things that need to come off as you are growing. And it will show you the evidence of God that you may not have known before, but because you read Esther 14, you saw that he is up to something. And because you went over to second John, somewhere that you've never ventured before, you didn't even know there were more Johns than John, you will see 
what it looks like to be encouraged as evidence of a life in the Spirit. And when tough stuff gets really, 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 really hard, you could go to Jonah and say, even though I ran away, and even though I didn't care about what was on the other side of my story, he was good and he rescued me. You could be like Paul and say, man, I used to murder these people. I would flame them online. And in my heart, I was angry and upset and I refused to join them in the pursuit of God. He changed me. And now there are churches in Rome. There's churches in Corinth. There's churches in Ephesus. Places that would have never heard the gospel can hear it. Why? Because I stopped my unbelief and I let God pull me to himself. Amen? Can we stand? I'm just gonna invite you to close your eyes real quick. Like I said, we're gonna sing. I'm a couple minutes over time, I just wanna honor your time. But the worship team is gonna lead us in one more song and then I'm gonna lead us in prayer. One for the person who says, I want to accept this journey through a life with Jesus. And then for the rest of us who all need the spirit to give us a vision of what our life looks like in him and through him, okay? Let's do that.
like to pray for you, everyone in the room, but firstly, the, the ones who would say, man, I, I feel that I've walked away from the Lord or maybe I've never learned of who the Lord was and I feel dry. And I came here hoping to experience something and feel something and I wanna, I want to know what it looks like to be close to Jesus. I wanna take that next step and be, be tied to him, make room for him to do something new in my life. Whether it happens in a, in a night and tomorrow I'm different or it takes me a little while, I, I'm curious and I wanna go. Hey, can I remind you? Just like Nathaniel, he saw you. He saw you sitting under the fig tree. He saw you in your house this morning, mulling over, should I go today? He saw you last week when you thought nobody noticed. He saw you when you were 10. He saw you when you were one. He saw you all the moments of the way that you were curious and nobody had an answer for you. And today he's saying, hey, come follow me. Come see. Come see what I'm up to. Let's go some new places. Let's do some new things. It's gonna be different, but it's gonna be okay because guess what? I'm with you. I got you. Everyone with their eyes closed. If that's you today and you just say, Calvin, I, I'm just a kid from somewhere too. But I, I, I need to reconnect with God or connect with him for the first time. Can you just throw your hand up? Nobody's looking. I just wanna pray for you. The Bible says we're two of us are gathered. God is here in the room. It says when we lift up songs of praise that he, he inhabits the space. He's here with us. Father, I thank you for everyone who just put their hand up, whether it was a hand raised high or an acknowledgement in the heart. You don't care. But what you do care is that we accept an invitation in whatever way it looks familiar to you for us. God, I pray that you would be good and kind and faithful as you are. I pray that we would leave this room encouraged and strengthened for in the areas of unbelief of our life, I pray that you'd give us faith. For the areas that we think we're disqualified, that you would show us how much grace you have. We are no beggars, but we are children of a king. And so God, I pray that we would enjoy your riches of your presence in your word today. God, I pray for my friends, my siblings today who've made a decision that you've given the courage to let someone know. Again, you tether us through the local church. You tether us through relationships and friendships and discipleship. And so as they begin this journey and they go to the connect desk, the info desk, I pray that as they get that package, they would be encouraged and inspired. I pray that they would be faithful to communicate their journey. I pray that they would be bold enough to join a group. Lord, I pray that as they see need in the building, that they would be courageous to serve because it's in these things that we will come to life. But God, today, I just pray that they would be overwhelmed with your peace and your acceptance in Jesus' name. Church, can we put our hands together for those that have come to and returned to the Lord? Again, as we dismiss in just a couple seconds, go to the info desk. If you go out the exit doors, it's the big desk on your left after the bathroom. So after you pass all the pee smell, right? It's, they're right there. They're wearing city team shirts. They're going to help you out. I know what's in the packs. I built them. <laughs> and the church wants to walk with you. But it's not enough just to walk in the church to, and say, I'm part of it. Take the steps necessary and required. You don't owe the church anything, but he wants to do something through what you give him. Okay? So do that. The team will give you a package and then contact you in this week. And then everyone else, I would like to pray for you. That you'd be encouraged and strengthened and that you would be open to the pruning that's ahead of your life. Because not all growth is bad, but it's not all great. And I wanna pray a, a covering over your mental state. I wanna, I wanna pray for your heart in the areas of life that you have been celebrated in because there's a lot of leaves. You have followers, there's some attention, you had some good moments and people are like, man, that's the power of God at work in you. And they're good things, but they're not fruitful things that you would be guarded from pride, as Paul talked about, so that you don't go the route of unbelief that I've had to go and that many others have had to go before returning, and that your testimony would be, I remained and he remained in me.
me, amen? Can you close your eyes and just lift your hands to heaven? Father, I pray for everyone in this room. You have called them, you have chosen them, and you are inviting them. Lord, I pray that you would take inventory of their life, and as they make moments for you to reveal what it is that is of you and what it is that is of them, that may not even be a bad thing, but it just will not be the thing that will give you glory and bring people to you like they think it will. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and their imaginations and that you would restore them. That you would restore them, that even though you are pulling some things back, that you were revealing to the new areas of growth and the new opportunities that are ahead of them. But more than that, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, that they would remain and remain and remain and remain that they would see the dreams come true, that they would see your promises. We pray for the people in our lives who used to believe in, who do not believe anymore. Paul says you're faithful to pick them up and if they choose to stop not believing, that you're good enough to bring them in. And we pray for them and the harvest that is still ahead. You're doing new things in a world that seems to be turned against you, you smile and you look and you scan and you see who that knows you is willing to go. Lord, help us live in existence for those that do not know you yet. Give us your eyes, your heart, your mind. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Church, I pray that you be blessed. Have an amazing week. Al has an announcement before you, so don't run out of the room. I cannot wait to see you again. And thank you for taking time to follow him, but listen to me. And I pray that you were encouraged and strengthened in your walk today. In Jesus' name, amen. Beautiful. Hey, one more time. Can we just say thank you to Calvin? I know he's running off stage right now. It is beautiful. Um, Cal, I know you can hear my voice, so I'll just say this, but I'm thankful to have watched and seen that man just like fight for faith. And I'm thankful that we got an opportunity just to like partake of that fruitfulness that he was talking about. Um, Are you glad that you came to City Church on a summer Sunday this weekend? Man, so good. Stay standing. I promise I'm gonna dismiss you in a second. Wanna remind you of a couple announcements. Avery talked about legacy earlier in the service. If you're looking for those legacy envelopes she mentioned, they're right back here in the corner by our giving kiosk, okay? City Church, we love to be generous and we like a good sweet treat around here. And so on summer Sundays, uh, we're gonna make sure we always feed you on your way out. This morning's sweet treat is cotton candy bonbons. They are literally in the shape of candy. And so they're pink and they're blue. I can see our team. They're smiling huge. They are ready to give out all the cotton candy. So make sure you grab one, meet someone new and say what's up here on this summer Sunday. Last but not least, if you're hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, our leaders, they're making their way down to the front of the stage right now. They would love to agree with you in prayer for anything that you are walking through. Promise you they are not scary people. They love you. Come on, leaders. Come on down. Here we go. Beautiful. Um, All right. Well, we are so thankful that you're here with us this Sunday. We invite you to join us back next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. City Church, we love you. Have a great week. You are dismissed.